Hi there and welcome along to The Big Grabs back for another week to talk you through the sporting news that you may have missed and look ahead to the weekend. I'm Narelle Sindos alongside me, sporting expert James Regan and you may recognise him from the AM show, <laughs> resident rugby reporter Ollie Ritchie. Welcome in gents. Thank you Great for having to be us. here, yeah. Pleasure yeah. to join uh, rugby league expert James Regan. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be with you. <laughs> Isn't this great? Okay, well, a huge dilemma this week with a potential deal with New Zealand Rugby and a US private equity firm, Silver Lake, worth up to $465 million. Ollie, can you give us a brief summary of what we know so far? Well, where's the? I want to see where the dilemma is uh, because <laughs> I, can't, I certainly can't see one. Um, essentially, Silver Lake, US tech giant, uh, will acquire a 15% stake in New Zealand Rugby's commercial rights. Now, there's been some objection come out uh, over the past week, which apparently dates back to, to January, a letter signed by some of our leading All Blacks and Black Ferns uh, and the Players Association, who of course represent the players objecting to that. Um, I Personally, I, I can't see why you would object uh, to a deal that's going to inject $465 million worth of capital into the game here. Um, I know they touched on things like sort of the, the cultural side of things, potentially losing rights to, to the hucker and that, that sort of stuff. Um, nothing I've seen suggests that that would be the case. Um, of course, they are well within their rights to, to hold those concerns. Um, but on the surface of this, uh, without being around the negotiating table at NZRHQ... You wish you were, though, Yeah, well, I'd, I'd have a lot to add, I'm sure. Um, it seems like a good deal and, and, and one that they should be taking. Jimmy, what's your take on the whole, I guess, not a dilemma, but the potential deal? I think I was quite shocked because for me, I'm like, surely the All Blacks don't need all this money. Oh, the they need they the money. You would, yeah, you would think that, but they definitely do. And COVID has affected everyone and even especially, or even especially New Zealand rugby. And that's it's just the way um, things are going these days. Uh, Organisations, individual sporting franchises or whatever – need investment from somewhere and I, I I get the concern as well because the All Blacks especially have this um, this legacy and this aura about them which is um, which really needs to be respected but this deal doesn't seem to necessarily take away from that and just on what you said about players um, suggesting other ways of raising this money uh, there was in that in that letter it spoke about potentially borrowing money from the four main banks with a with the New Zealand government being the guarant- the guarantor, which is is like a great idea, but is it realistic? Is it going to raise that much money? It's not going to raise four hundred and sixty-five million. And would people capital. be comfortable with the banks doing that, given everything else that we have going on in society, to to effectively almost bail out New Zealand rugby? I mean, this deal does a really good job of of kind of satisfying everyone. Um, I, but I, I get the concerns as well because the All Blacks are so special. But it's not just about the All Blacks; it's about the grassroots game first and foremost as well. But you think if they're struggling, then our other like sporting national teams don't really have a chance. Ollie, can you see this deal going through? Yeah, hundred percent, absolutely, I can, um, and I think it will. I absolutely think it will. It'll be voted on at the um, New Zealand Rugby AGM, which is at the end of next month, or end of this month, rather. Um, it does need the Players Association to, to sign off. So if they don't sign off, it, it can't go ahead. Um, but I, I, I think it will. And New Z- like rugby in New Zealand is not as strong as it once was. It is 
it is for all intents and purposes going backwards. And it cannot continue. And, and Mark Robinson has come out and said this. It cannot continue to do the same things I've done over the last 100, 130 years. The game has changed. You need to bring in capital. And, you know, getting a, a, a giant US firm like Silver Lake on board who will bring in $465 million uh, worth of capital has to be seen as a good thing. Yes, you could go down other routes like talking to the four main banks. Are you going to raise that much? Probably not. Is everyone going to be comfortable with it? Probably not. But this is also about more than the All Blacks. It is about more than the elite tier of rugby. It's about the grassroots. And I think that's actually what's most important here is that all 26 PUs, provincial unions, will get a slice of this pie and they will um, deliver that money uh, out to the grassroots, help grow the game. You know, you go around this country down to the small towns and, and you know, rural South Island, North Island, uh, those rugby clubs that have been around for hundreds of years, uh, they need propping up. You know, they can't survive on the smell of an oily rag. And it's like Mark Robinson has said, it's time to start doing things differently. Yeah, the world has moved on. And so often these organisations and the people that run them are criticised for not um, being as forward thinking as they maybe should or doing things too traditionally and sticking by the book and doing what they've done in the past. Whereas Mark Robinson is, well, or maybe not him individually, but NZR have had this foresight to, to look elsewhere and they've obviously on the point of making a deal. Uh, and I think they should be applauded for that, even if it doesn't go through, which it looks like it will. They should be applauded for having the foresight to go, we're in a really tough position financially. But not only that, going forward, we need to be really innovative and we need money to do that. And that's that's the crux of it. And people might not like that, but that's definitely the reality. Well, someone else who's um, put a little bit of pressure on New Zealand rugby this week is Crusaders coach Scott Robertson, basically seeking clarity around future possibilities when it comes to the next All Blacks coaching gig and if Ian Foster and the coaching staff will stay after the next World Cup. Oli, Crusaders, very close to your heart. How do you see that sort of narrative unfolding? It's a tricky narrative, man. It's a it's a risky game that Scott Robertson's playing, but he is the hottest property in rugby union right now, without a doubt, and he knows he is. So no wonder he's playing this game and, and, and going down this route. Um, I think it's important to note he's not looking for a, a guarantee in his contract that he will be the next All Blacks coach because New Zealand rugby would never give him one and, and realistically I don't think he would ever expect one as well. He wants to know that there's a pathway to the All Blacks job for him. Fair enough though, isn't it? Totally. He's Like I say, he's, he's the best coach in New Zealand uh, and he's an aspirational coach and he wants to know that if he signs on for another two years or, or however long uh, with New Zealand rugby and the Crusaders that it's not, you know, that the, the Crusaders will not just be uh, the pinnacle of that. And when, you, you know, when your star is as uh, bright as his is, uh, you can afford to do that stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how those negotiations play out and actually what New Zealand rugby can offer him because they'll be very mindful uh, of undermining Ian Foster as well. Remember, he's got another year to run on his contract, and that contract will be extended through to the next Rugby World Cup without a doubt. So they'll be very mindful of of undermining or, n- or not undermining the current coaching setup. If they're sitting in here making clauses and deals for Scott Robertson, you know, what's Ian Foster going to say when uh, when he's sitting down in his home in Hamilton thinking, come on, I'm the All Blacks coach, thanks very much. Have some faith in me. Yeah, Even uh, your lot want him though, eh, Jimmy? <laughs> All the English media, yeah, do. yeah, yeah. So keep your hands off yeah. him. <laughs> Apparently, but wouldn't it be ironic if Razor went to England and then won the world next, the next World Cup? Wouldn't that just be that would be good? That's karma, that? isn't that would it? Be good? 
Well, essentially, that, that's a, that's a, a pill that New Zealand rugby will have to swallow. But that's a real possibility because Razor is so ambitious. He doesn't want to spend the next five, ten years at the Crusaders. He wants something else, and you only get a limited time um, as a as a career coach, and especially at the top, you you're only there for so long. So you want to make the most of it. And I think as well, people should be mindful of disrespecting Ian Foster. Um, you've said this week. Ian Foster could easily come out over the next two years, transform the All Blacks into what they once were a couple of years ago, pretty much unbeatable. Uh, and then Scott Robertson, as good as he is, he might not—he can't guarantee that he would have been able to do that. He might not have worked under him. So I think people should be mindful as well that Ian Foster is still very much the All Blacks coach. He's a very good coach and he's got a lot of work to do. All right, very interesting. We'll almost need a separate podcast for rugby, don't we? But moving <laughs> on to the Warriors. Now, <laughs> Finally. I know. <laughs> now, every week with the Warriors, I'll ask you, is this their year? Yes, of course it is. Jimmy? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm so on the Warriors. I'm I, you, I love watching you, the Warriors. Yeah. They are like honestly that game against the Raiders was so good. I actually was I was presenting that night and went downstairs when we were losing <laughs> and came back upstairs and we'd won the thing. Yeah. And I just couldn't believe like that's the Warriors don't normally come back from those sorts of margins. No, nah, and it's really interesting you say that and just by the fact that they even attempted to come back during that game, but the fact that they did, it was freak circumstances, but any team that is able to do that against Canberra, in Canberra, a team coached by Ricky Stewart, that shows, if nothing else, that they've got something about them. They've got the mental fortitude to dig themselves out. But I also think it's important that they're just playing without fear, pretty much. They've got a lot of young guys who have had to step up because of injuries at the moment, and those guys are just playing like... It's their yeah. last game. They don't have a lot to lose, though. They've got really. Do the they've Warriors. got apart from their captain. Oh, sorry. Ooh, too soon. But I'm no. Sorry. But to be honest, though, Roger Tuivasa-Shek really stood out in that game, and it he, does make you think: How are they going to survive? Blues legend. Him? Blues He's legend. Roger Tuivasa-Shek. This is this is the thirteen. <laughs> Thanks, now, Ollie. Um, he he was incredible. Uh, and it's why he's paid the big bucks. He's why he's such a liked character inside the dressing room and amongst fans. He's he's got a year left. Um, but he will not make it about himself and he will make it about games like we saw last week. And they've got the Roosters this week, another really tough test. But yeah, if, predictions though, just quickly. Yeah, they'll win, obviously. But they'll <laughs> if they can go toe-to-toe with the Roosters again, even if they lose, as long as they put a shift in like they did in Canberra, I think it'll really tell people that this Warriors team, they're not going to win every game, although you'd like them to, <laughs> especially the bandwagon. Absolutely. Um, I could see it happening. Yeah, but... They're going to go toe-to-toe with the best teams in the competition. And I think after the past couple of years, last year especially being so tough, that's all you can ask for from this team. But they've got some players as well. Sean O'Sullivan, a great club debut for him stepping up into the halves with Cody Nikarima, who was outstanding He's as well. Looking, you were saying, yeah, yeah. That guy just looks like he can turn something on every time he touches the ball. I've been super impressed with the way Cody Nikarima is driving that team. Eh? Like Between him and RTS, yeah. man... They're looking good. He is a footy player. When he gets the ball and he runs... Like, he like, probably had a slow start to his Warriors career, yeah. Cody Nikarima, but he just seems to have found his feet and slotted into that role really comfortably now and is really comfortable driving the Warriors' ship around the park. He he broke that game open mm. in that second half, and if they didn't have him, there's an argument that they wouldn't have done what they did, as good as Roger was, and especially with that last-minute um, try-saver. But Cody 
controlled the game. He had so many touches on the ball, and when he does that, they are a chance of winning against anyone. You have to think how much it really translates down from Nathan Brown and what he's got the side doing. But moving on to cricket now, this is just going to be a quick one. Devin Conway, I mean, his stats speak for themselves. He's super hard to ignore, and... What I want to know is, if you had to substitute a player out of the Black Caps test squad to make room for Conway, Ollie, who would it be and why? Um, well, I'm reluctant to bring him into the test squad at all. But oh. if I had to sub someone out, like, don't get me wrong, he's going to be an amazing test cricketer. Of course he is. Um, but the test team's going well at the moment. Look, if I had to sub, sub, sub someone out, it'd probably be Tom Blundell. And I feel really bad about mm-hmm. saying that because Tom Blundell has been dealt easily the the, the worst hand in that Black Caps mm-hmm. setup. Did nothing wrong, came in as a lower order batsman wicketkeeper. When he got his chances, he delivered. Then they throw him the biggest hospital pass of all and say, would you open for us on the in the Boxing Day test? Facing Mitchell Stark and Pat Cummins at 150. Sure, what does he do? Scores a ton. So he's pl- he's batting out of position. But if I had to move someone out in favour of Devin Conway, it would it would probably be um, Tom Blundell. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo that. And also semi-reluctantly, I think Devin, as good as he is, and he, he's absolutely stepped up to the mark over the summer, but there has to be a, a, a point of earning your place in that team. And no one in that team, with the way they've gone... I mean, they're the top test team in the world. Mm. No one deserves to be dropped just because there is someone coming up, albeit a very good player. I think what it does do is give Gary Stead a lot of options. Will Young is another mm. one who could easily throw his hat into the ring for that tour of England. Um, so I don't think necessarily it should be just shoehorning Devon in. I don't think for a second that Gary Stead and the selectors will want to do that because they have such a good test side. I think... He'll get his chance. I'll be surprised if either him or Will Young don't play at all when they go over to England because they'll want to see how they go uh, and they'll want to take a big team because of the risks around COVID. But in terms of shoehorning him in to the side, not quite yet because no one really deserves to be dropped for that and I think they'll see it like that. All right, moving on to some um, light-hearted stuff just before we wrap up. Bizarre sporting injuries. I wanted to touch on this because it's come about this week. English cricketer Joffrey Archer had to get surgery on his finger after getting glass lodged in it, apparently from a fish tank. And it made me think <laughs> back to Corey Webster. Yeah, that was the, the, that's what came to mind. Yeah. Oh, Corey Webster incident. cutting the avocado. Just scratching your minds a wee bit. Have you guys come across any other bizarre sporting injuries that you can remember or personally that you've picked up yourself, Jimmy? Uh, on the spot, here we go. No, not really. I can't say I'm... Much of an athlete? No, you're not much really prone to injury uh, because I am such an athlete. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's hard to say. Most of my injuries have been self-inflicted. Yeah, yeah. Let's well, call it's hard it to say though because it's almost like athletes can't really do a lot nowadays without really getting injured. Like footballers, from experience, don't want to go skiing because they could break a leg. Absolutely, you've yeah, got to because the stakes are so high for them mm-hmm. nowadays. You can't just chuck yourself out there and goodness knows what Joffre was doing You just feel sorry tank. for yeah. the ones who are a little bit unfortunate. Yeah. Ollie, any rugby stories you uh, wish to share? No, nah, not really. I never really got close enough to contact to uh, no. to get injured. You were uh, just at the back of yeah, the... Yeah, I was just shouting orders at, at the, the back, back of the... the hucker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. That was sort of my <laughs> role. Um, no, nah, no injuries uh, like that for me. Um, the, like the Corey Webster avocado incident yeah, is, that was bizarre. is one that comes to mind in terms of bizarre sporting injuries. I'm sure there'll be plenty of more of those in the future. And just finally, Easter weekend. Very excited. Yeah. I must ask you too, what's your sort of go-to Easter treat? Mine are the little yellow packet mini eggs. 
I'm exactly the same. Many the ones, you looked at my notes. Are those absolutely the ones with not. caramel in them? No, 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 no. no, no. Just no, chocolate. Yeah, mine are absolutely a go-to for mini eggs. I uh, the marshmallow eggs. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. my God. oh, that's so good. Oh, those are literally the worst. That's so good. And hot cross buns, of course, oh, yeah. in the oven. Yeah. With a All right, bit random of one. And if you could honey. give an Easter egg to an athlete, who would you give it to and why? <laughs> Roger, because I want to be his mate. Oh, yeah, you've got, so. he's got a photo of him on his desk. <laughs> it's got <laughs> a massive put, love heart around it as well. That was put um, there by someone else, for the record. Interesting, okay. So. Roger, if you're watching, you should stop letting <laughs> Jimmy Regan do interviews with you. Ollie, what about you? Um, if I could give it to anyone this week, who would I give it to? Um, well, I'll go first then. Yeah, I'd give mine to Katrina Rode just because she seems like such an athlete, and she's so like tank and stuff. I feel like she just deserves to treat herself. And uh, I'd give that's nice, I'd give it? mine to Maddie Green. Um, yes, that's because really there's nothing. Nothing classier than a French cut for four to beat the Aussies of the last ball of the game. That was magical. I like that segue. All right, you two, thank you so much for your time. Thank I know you're very busy us. people. And yeah, we'll see you again next week.